All right. Welcome back. It's not even a welcome back to the stars made me do it. It's welcome back to the stars made me murder because (laughs) we have Kaylin here. You've got Sierra and Mimi and Kaylin as our recurring spooky guest. I guess you're our spooky guest. (laughs) She's such a cheerful spooky guest though. I know. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, mm. Kayla, if you have not listened before, Kaylin's been here on quite a few episodes now, I feel like, to do uh, a little rendition of The Stars Made Me Murder, which, you know, uh, they don't, but that's what we call these episodes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Preface that. <laughs> Stars don't make you do anything despite the entire title of this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're going to hear a really crazy crime that Kaylin's going to give us all the details about. And so this is not your typical episode of The Stars Made Me Do It. And if that's not your vibe, mm-hmm. although I feel like many millennials out there, this is like extra your vibe, astrology <laughs> and murder all in one. Oh, like, yeah. let's go. But if it's not your vibe, come on back next week. But yeah, we've got some trigger warnings for this episode. Yeah. So trigger warnings. I like that this is my job. That feels appropriate. The trigger warnings <laughs> for this episode are domestic violence. We have obviously murder. We have gun violence, su- a little bit of suicide talk, and then also child murder. So if any of those things are going to trigger you intensely, maybe skip this week. Yeah. And for the the fellow twisted ones out there, if that's your jam, <laughs> then get ready. <laughs> oh my God. It's spooky season, y'all. Happy Scorpio season. It's almost Halloween. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out, it's like Halloween in a couple of days. So this is our spooky episode. And we're glad to have Kaylin back for it because it's literally the perfect timing for it. (laughs) Although I will say Uh, we're recording this in advance. Okay. We're recording this in advance. And we had the craziest spooky moment because this piece of shit we're going to talk about his birthday is the day is today the day that we're recording this so we'll get into it but like we were like wait a minute that's today so i feel like that was the way for us to get into spooky season while it's still technically like we're a couple days away from libra season so we're still in virgo time but literally today is this murderer's birthday it's wild so that instantly gave all three of us the ick i'm like yeah you're not Uh, welcome here but the ick is the vibe. So I guess on that note, <laughs> Kaylin, take the it away. Yeah. So my sources, like these are not my own words. I, I grab stuff. So my sources is a medium article titled John List. He committed the almost perfect murder. Um, Wikipedia page, John List murderer, not to be confused with the economist John A. List. Um, murderous roots uh the boogeyman of westfield um an article titled the terrifying true story of the list family murders and i love this youtube name what the french toast and it's a (laughs) video titled um cold case files episode one john list case that's kind of confusing because it makes it seem like it's very kid friendly and then it's about murder yeah murder (laughs) (laughs) yeah and his voice is really calming and he does a really good job like researching so i really like him yeah so let's get into it so it's december 7th 1971 in westfield new jersey a high school drama teacher named edwin in alano is concerned because he hasn't seen a student patricia list for like weeks 
and he can't shake this feeling like something is wrong. So 16-year-old Patricia had confided in him that her family life was like a little odd. And Westfield being a small town, Mr. Alana knew like the List family was weird. And especially the patriarch, John List, was a bit odd. So Mm -hmm. unable to shake the feeling, he decided to drop by the house to see if he could like find anything or see if like Patricia was there. So a neighbor saw him creeping around the house and decided to call the police and two officers show up. So when the police arrived, the neighbor told him that the List family was reclusive and that they hadn't been seen in a month, which was odd even for them. So, and they also noticed that all of the mansion's rooms were illuminated day or night with no apparent activity within the house. So she urged the officers to go into the house, which they did through an unlocked window. The house was almost entirely dark, except for a single light that was upstairs. Um, The house was really cold. And creepiest of all, a haunting funeral music was playing throughout the house. (gasps) Yeah. Okay, I just read this book called Theme Music, where it was sort of this situation. I wonder if it was based off this murder. Yeah. So following the flashlights through the cold, empty home... They came to a set of curtains partitioning off a ballroom. As soon as the officer parted the curtains, they were hit with the smell of human decomp. Is it? So, yeah. <laughs> so, so scene is set. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, Not me wanting to make an inappropriate joke of how they needed some Harvey Mountain Alchemy candles. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that a good way to plug my candle business? Sorry, moving on. (laughs) Your candles removes the smell of human decomposition. I think you would get it. Cookie season. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The selling point. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's go back in time a bit. Okay. So John List, who was the father of the family, was born September 17th, 1925 which was 98 years ago to the day uh, no. uh, gross yeah so he was born in bay city michigan and he was the only child of german american lutheran parents john frederick list and alma barbara florence list john frederick by all accounts was like largely uninterested in his son <laughs> so instead of like the actual work of like raising his son he called him like the boy and he was like Oof. oh the boy and so his mother Alma like doted on him and like smothered him to an extent hmm. John List grew up a devout Lutheran like his parents and I'm Lutheran and there's a lot of like Lutheran hate in here and I just want to say there's not all Lutherans are like this Hashtag not all Lutheran. <laughs> they don't all yeah. murder their families. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, he uses like a lot of like uh, logic from like the Bible and Lutheranism to like try to justify what he later did, and there's no justifying it. But anyway, yeah. So after he graduated high school, he enlisted in the U.S. Army. 
which it was still World War II during this time. Um, so his father died in 1944, and he was discharged in 1946, and he enrolled in the University of Michigan, where he earned a bachelor and master's degree in accounting. Uh-oh. Hashtag not all accountants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am purely comedic relief because these conversations. Yeah, we need it. We need it. (laughs) So in 1950, when the Korean War was kicking off, uh, John went back into active duty and was stationed in Virginia, where he met a widow named Helen Morris Taylor. And Helen had a daughter named Brenda. Now, Brenda doesn't like make a reappearance in the story. She did some interviews after everything happened. But um, she was kicked out of the house when she was 16 because she got pregnant. But, yeah, she existed. So, anyway. Okay. And John adopted her. So, according to, like, my source material, Helen was physically scarred from a medical accident when a doctor spilled, I don't know what this is, caustic ether into her eye during fir- the first birth, oh. during the birth of her daughter. <gasps> So I'm guessing that's like some sort of acid. And like you look at some pictures in her eye. It just looks like a lazy eye to me. But I guess she had some issues. I remember messing with ethers in chemistry class in high school. And I remember them being related to scent. Like they smelled certain ways. Yeah, but it's basically chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't sound good in something you wouldn't want (laughs) in your eye. Also seems on unre- like what is that doing near her eye? Yeah, when, when you're you focusing on labor, <laughs> like different parts of the body, sir. <laughs> yeah, something weird, but it happened. So she had an accident, and her eye was not doing what an eye should at that time. I guess. <laughs> gotcha. Well put. Well put. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a month into dating, Helen told John that she was pregnant. I'm not sure if it was like John's baby or another man's, but John being a devout Lutheran agreed to marry her. So John and Helen married December 1st, uh, 1951 in Baltimore. (laughs) I also wanted to point out. So at this time, Maryland was one of the only states where you didn't need a syphilis test in order to get married and keep that in the back of your mind because that will become relevant later. Did you say that was December 1st? Yeah, 1951. Okay. Cool. I'm just holding that as a transit date. Um, After the wedding, she revealed that she actually wasn't pregnant at all. Um, John rightly felt that he had been tricked, but his religious belief wouldn't allow him to break the marriage vows. So... From some accounts, John and Helen weren't, like, very happy. They didn't have a great marriage. And Helen was an alcoholic, so that definitely put a strain on the marriage. Um, But I guess it wasn't all bad because within four years of marriage, they had three children. Uh, Patricia, who was born January 8th, 1955. Uh, John Jr., who was born October 21st, 1956. And Frederick, who was born August 26, 1958. And Helen's birthday is January 1st, 1925. So I'm going to put it out there that John, uh, the main guy whose birthday is the recording day, he's a Virgo. He's a Virgo sun and moon. We don't know his rising. Um, His 
mom uh, mm-hmm. was an Aquarius. His wife, Helen Capricorn, first or oldest daughter, Patricia Capricorn. And then um, uh, John Jr. is a Libra. And then the youngest, Frederick, is a Virgo. So we've got we got earthy, airy. Earth and air, yeah, a lot. Yeah. And I, do we want, I mean, I guess we don't have too much to go off of his chart quite yet, but we don't have the time of his birth. And that happened in the last episode that we did as well. And so we got to speculate the rising. So we'll do a little bit of that this time as well. But because his moon is literally smack dab in the middle of Virgo, it's most likely that at any point in the day, his moon is definitely in Virgo and his sun is also definitely in Virgo. So this is a new moon baby. And he's also got Mars sandwiched between the two of these planets. So the idea Mars rules violence and rules uh, and being in Virgo, very intentional action. The fact that it's conjunct both his sun and moon seem very important for this yeah, episode. He's got the Mars influence. action is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Then later. So. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not doing great for the stereotypical mutable murderers that yeah. we have. Yeah, the come list to of like establish. every murderer is like <laughs> Virgo, Sagittarius, Gemini, Pisces, Virgo, Sagittarius. Gemini, yeah, it's like all the mutable signs. So here we have an extra another influence. But we will say that for Virgo, Virgo Sun and Moon, Virgo is a mutable sign, but it's Earth. It's very detail oriented. Very mm-hmm. detail oriented, especially having your Mars right there. Like you said, with intentional action, it's um noticing the little things for sure. Yeah. Okay, y'all not knowing this story is like it's like y'all are so right about his personalities. <laughs> oh my god. A little bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a little weird, but it- <laughs> okay. So one article I read stated, and this is really funny. If John List was known for anything in his adult life, it was for being completely unremarkable. Oh, no. <laughs> he was an uptight conservative who worked oh, boys of dull accounting jobs and wasn't that weren't exactly the stuff of rip roaring tales or even a, or even amusing anecdotes. On the rare occasion someone noticed John List, he was struck many as odd. According to NewJersey.com, a few people recalled him mowing the mansion's lawn on a hot summer day in a suit and tie. Oh. He also dressed up to collect his daughter, Patty, from the local police station in the middle of the night when she was picked up for a benign offense of, like, wandering around the town with a friend. But John's fury, like, lingered in witnesses' memories. Wow. He also had like tone death aspirations. He told his neighbor that he wanted to sell insurance, which like seemed like so against his personality, like being a salesman. And everyone who like knew John List, who was like the embodiment of antisocial, like was floored that he wanted to be a salesman because like this is so interesting. And I feel like I the few things that popped out at me at his chart were like the mars with his sun and moon and then his north node in leo and the idea that people said like he was unremarkable like this just speaking of the archetype not all virgo hashtag not all virgos are unremarkable but like virgo is known to be able to slip under the radar because they deal with the little things that like everybody else is dreaming big while virgo is the one who's like happy to do the things that need to get done every day the small things and that's archetypically if you have a lot of virgo placements and that's not you 
that doesn't mean it has to be you but like the fact that he was like i want to sell insurance which is literally a virgo ruler or rulership but he has his north node and in leo i feel like that inferiority versus like superiority and almost that god complex that we talked about with heriberto last time like that is coming up again and it's interesting if people remember him as being unremarkable because like, again, we we're really comfortable with our South node, which is that Aquarius for him, which is mm-hmm. they don't need the recognition for it. But Leo wants the recognition for it and trying to like step into, uh, you know, step into some sort of like story where you are the recognition for something and in the spotlight, especially if people are telling you you're unremarkable. And then this just makes me think, okay, well, I'm going to be remembered Leo energy. Yeah. Like I see a lot of emotional reactivity because he's got his Lilith conjunct his North node too, where almost like I have to achieve fame and like, I have to achieve recognition in some way. And it's also square to his Chiron out of sign but his chiron is an aries almost being which is funny because that's where chiron is right now too kind of a collective wound but like feeling triggered by not being um important enough or his ego like again that superiority complex like being square to his north node and like people maybe not giving him the recognition so then he's like well i'm gonna be famous the way that i can be with my intentional actions wow that's freaky what god saying Okay. All right. Keep going, Kayla. Okay. So (laughs) nevertheless, him being unremarkable, he like felt the pressure to provide for his family. So like, remember, he grew up in a time where it was all like the men doing the work outside of the home and collecting money, and Mm. blah, blah, blah. So, but like, he couldn't seem to hold down a job. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So while the quality of his work as an accountant was like never an issue, he was meticulous and hardworking. He was often let go because he rubbed his bosses and coworkers like the wrong way. Something about John List was like off putting. Mm. Um, So, but eventually he landed a job as the vice president in a bank in New Jersey. And it seemed like all of their problems were over. Helen insisted that John purchase her dream home, which is a sprawling 19-room mansion named Breeze Knoll. <laughs> and it was in the most it was the most expensive house in the most expensive part of town. Now, Breeze Knoll, that they, they were living way beyond their means. <laughs> but yeah. John wanted that status. So he asked his mom, Alma, for a loan in exchange of her living in, like, a self-contained apartment on the third floor of the mansion. And they moved in in 1965. And I sent you a picture of Breeze Knoll, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Like, it's this Victorian house, like, set back from the road. Like, it was so pretty. But, yeah. It's huge. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like at this moment, I'm trying to think just based off of what you said, I want to speculate along the way, like about rising, the being dressed in a suit and the, I don't know, like business providing, I'm getting Capricorn for the moment mm-hmm. Interesting, um, because I feel like status is important, but also married a Capricorn. Does that have? Yeah. Any- yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And I feel like, you know, uh, a suit energy is a statement, but it doesn't feel like fire rising to me because fire risings are normally in general. I feel like very it's a very personable, warm, uh, if not intense, yeah. 
first impression. And this guy, a fire rising does not go under the radar. Speaking as three fire rising sitting right here. <laughs> we are not, we are the three of us are not people who go under the radar, you know? So I don't yeah. feel like that's the case, but right now, unless he's a triple Virgo, man, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, that could be, I feel like I could see the Capricorn for sure as like with the suits, but I could also see that being Aquarius rising and like this, this kind of different, like he's on a different <laughs> wavelength than everybody else. Yeah. And like, he's wearing a suit in weird circumstances. Like it's yeah. not because he's like, I am being uh, put together and I can present myself as a professional. He's like, I'm wearing a fucking suit while I'm mowing the lawn. Okay. <laughs> like that's when I want to be wearing my best attire. Yeah. It's mm, interesting. Okay. Like in some ways he was more like concerned about perception opposed to mm. what actually was like you and it seems like his wife was like that too, how she insisted that they have a mansion when did they need a mansion? No. <laughs> I know. I pulled up her chart because I was curious. And she actually, this is interesting. So she was born eight months before mm -hmm. uh, her husband, John List. And she has her son in Capricorn. And her moon is most likely in Aries. And again, conjunct that Mars. So we still, so we can see like both of these people have a lot of drive and like maybe bigger, bigger ambitions than they can really take on. And then we also see she's got Venus and Sag. So, you know, she spends beyond her means. And <laughs> but it's interesting too, because I mean, Saturn must have gone retrograde after she was born because they have, uh, the same Saturn one degree apart. So hers is in Scorpio at 12 degrees and then his is in Scorpio at 11 degrees. So they share that Saturn placement as well. I was wondering if maybe Scorpio could be playing in there with him. I see that like he's got Venus in Scorpio and Saturn in Scorpio, but also like this, um, I don't know, this idea that she tricked him into mm. basically marrying him like that. Yeah. I mean, but, but then also at the same have time, I think uh, at the time, like she was a widow with a daughter and like, wow. Okay. And like yeah. back in those days, like women didn't have, I mean, of course they could have gone to work, but that wasn't what society said yeah. that you should do. And, and as a Capricorn, she's kind of like, this is, I'm going to follow the rules. Her ex-husband was military. So I'm sure the military was somewhat taking care of her, but like, also like back to that perception she didn't want to be a single mother you know so yeah she created this lie to get a man to marry her hmm. yeah so. another reason i kind of like aquarius rising for john list is that would place all of his virgo placements in the eighth house mm. that's true that's true aquarius would be the one i could definitely see aquarius rising be the one summertime mowing the lawn in a suit because what the hell <laughs> I mean, we'll keep speculating. Who knows? Maybe it's like something different, way different. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Interesting. So they moved into Breeze Knoll in 1965. But in Sean List fashion, by 1966, everything had gone downhill. Oh, no. Jeez. So in less than a year, he was fired from his vice president of the bank job. Again, <laughs> due to personality clashes. That's a so, big job to be fired from. Yeah. So rather than tell his family like what happened <laughs> and like admit failure, he <laughs> continued to get dressed and to go to work, quote unquote, One of every these day. Oh, that is no. such a thing with like, I mean, from all the like 
I don't know, true crime podcast that I listen to. That is such a recurring thing with these people that like, I can't let my family down, especially like, you know, if it's a family and I later situation, like I can't let my family down. And so I have to keep pretending this and be, oh, it's so creepy to me. That's it's so creepy to weird. me. So he would actually drive to the drain station, ride it a few stops, get off, read the newspaper all day, and then return on a different train. So he eventually did find like another lower paying job, but he also lost that one and then like another and another. Oh so, Ladies, if your man gets fired and he's, or if your man is telling you he's still going, just go visit your guy at work every now and then. You know, just check in. Say, hey, let's have a nice little lunch break. You know, if you're a little suspicious, just it's, it's have some weird. lunch dates. <laughs> Don't but trust of that. His, like income was not keeping pace of his expenses. They lived in a freaking mansion, for heaven's sake. And so, also, why? 19 bedrooms? They had four 19 kids. rooms, yeah. It's ridiculous. That's wild. And there was like a grand ballroom. I don't see John List hosting that is all that is all image like that Leo Mm -hmm. Aquarius access is still is very prevalent to me so he began like stealing money from his mother's accounts like make to like meet yeah to make ends meet so this presented this is like a direct quote from one of the articles This presented a deep moral crisis for the devout Lutheran who believed that poverty itself was a sin. I'm a Lutheran and no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Of course not. (laughs) But anyway. I assume the logic there is like God didn't grant you wealth because you're a sinner. I don't know. I don't know what the logic is there because... Like, and here's another thing, like today, like Lutherans are seen as a more like liberal church Hmm. and like he's acting very conservative. And so Hmm. that's like, that was really interesting to me. Um, I think it's the times too. I do think. Yeah. The times were different. Um, But yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I'm Hmm. so, I'm so confused. Like, I really do want to keep like looking into this, this rising situation because I'm so confused about this personality clash about not being able to keep a job. Because if I were to just look at sun and moon and even like sun conjunct Mars in Virgo, I would think Hmm. that you'd be so good at doing something repeatedly forever. And there's a theory uh, at the end that I want to get like y'all's opinion on, but and I, I found it interesting. So anyway, like we'll a little, there. we'll get there, a little, we'll get- but yeah. So on top of that, like he had teenagers by the time the 1970s rolled around. And I don't think people like realize how different the 1970s were to like the 1960s. Like women started wearing pants. Yeah. Oh, the, the audacity. Shock. No, the but shock. like. No, but seriously, because I'm thinking like my mom was born in 1956. That's their youngest kid here. And I remember like she she was really shunned at school, like by by teachers and like like admin uh, when she started when she came to school in pants like that broke relationships with people like and I mean that this is my mom, you know, this is not my grandma. (laughs) So it's just crazy. It's crazy how legit like yeah, yeah. like it there was a big cultural shift. Um like the hippie movement was in its big stride. 
um, people weren't all rah-rah for the government anymore because of Vietnam. Yeah. It was just a big cultural shift. And, like, um, I don't think people realize how jarring that was to, like, the silent generation of, like, these baby boomers actually, like, living their lives for themselves opposed to like living it for God and their family. Right. Like that was like, I don't think people understand like, whoa, it was, it was definitely a different time. So it's kind yeah, of there was like a seeking of independence from yeah. the systems made for them. Exactly. So John was particularly worried about his daughter, Patricia, who was, are y'all ready for this? She what? was into theater. Oh, oh no. And that was simple. <laughs> and she had expressed on wanting to become an actor, which, of course, John believed was like a corrupt, sinful profession. Oh, so God. there was, I don't know, I wouldn't put much weight into this because you know how people try to create stories and whatever, but. There was even rumors that, like, Patricia was dabbling into witchcraft and like, experimenting with marijuana. I mean, you're a teenager. Kind of sounds like a queen. Like I, I know. Yeah. I'm like, kind of sounds like most of the people who listen to this podcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, she was a teenager. Like, yeah. You do you, yeah. girl. Yeah. yeah. But it also gets worse. Helen's health wasn't good. So she had been experiencing like blackouts and falling down often. Her vision was going and she was drinking more and more. And then she became like dependent on tranquilizers. Um, Yeah. So in the winter of 1968-69, tests revealed she had tertiary syphilis, which she contracted from her first husband. So... um. I did some research on it, and it does not sound fun. Um, also, though, like, I wonder if tranquilizers were really necessary, or it was just, like, To help her sleep, to get her away from her awful husband. Like, I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah, but I also wonder if that was her, or if it was the male doctors who were like, oh, this oh, woman yeah. complaining of symptoms, let's just knock her tranquilizer. out. Yeah. 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 So she had some, like, mental health issues. And she stopped going to church. So either from like the embarrassment of having syphilis or like your mental instability, um, like this was, this wasn't making John happy. And Mm -hmm. y'all remember when I said in the state that they got married, Maryland, you didn't have to have a syphilis test. So I wondered on some like, on some level, she knew that she had it mm. and then mm. tricked John into marrying her because she knew she couldn't find a husband with syphilis while she had syphilis. Wow. Interesting. So just a little heads up. Actually, she was born in 1924, January 1st, 1924. So the stuff that we had said earlier about her Saturn being the same as uh john list's saturn is not true anymore but her mars is conjunct his saturn it's at that point in scorpio and actually she has saturn conjunct her moon so it gives a different energy than that mars moon conjunction that john has yeah and we still have scorpio energy there though yeah yeah so and then um a little note i was looking up of course like 
uh, syphilis. So there's three stages of syphilis, and she was in the third stage of it. Here are some of what it begins to damage. The brain, nerves, blood vessels, bones, eyes, heart, liver, joints. Signs and symptoms are difficulty coordinating muscle movements, paralysis, numbness, gradual blindness, and dementia. So, yeah, thing, um, some people may develop seizures, headaches, stiff neck and symptoms resulting in numbness, weakness, or vision problems. So it was definitely like not good. Yeah. Wow. My goodness. Okay. So, yeah. So John's life wasn't, wasn't going well, according to him. He didn't want to care for his ailing wife or try to lead his children back to Jesus. I don't know, whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> but yeah. his life was in a downward spiral. So he was in a mansion he couldn't afford. The The United States culture was changing. His daughter wanted to be an actor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he had no job. And his wife had syphilis. So he was spiraling. So by 1971, he was like bankrupt. And it, poverty was not an option for him. Like, him going on welfare was, like, the worst thing that could ever happen to him. Mm. So he even considered, like, taking his own life. But, of course, suicide is a sin. So um, John realized he wasn't the problem. His family was. Mm. Of course. <sighs> Just oh, logic, dear. right? Like rational logic right there. Wow. But anyway, so he had to put these, so they put he, these burdens on him and they were perpetual sinners. So he determined the only way to save his family and for them to go to heaven and to save them from humiliation and sinfulness of poverty much like he did everything in life, he worked out a meticulous plan. Hmm. So are y'all ready for this day? Oh, geez. Oof. Okay. So on November 9th, 1971, at Breeze Knoll, John List woke up his children. So we have 13-year-old Frederick, 15-year-old John Jr., and 16-year-old Patricia, just like he did every morning. He ate breakfast with them and sent them off to school. So once the children left for school, Helen woke up and came downstairs for her customary morning coffee. John made a little chit-chat with her and came up behind her with a 9 millimeter Stayer automatic pistol that his father had given him. He shot her once in the side of her head, killing her instantly. Then he placed her body on his sleeping bag and dragged her into the grand ballroom, where he laid her out beneath the stained glass ceiling. Ugh. Then he went upstairs where his mother had that apartment to his 84-year-old mother's apartment. Um, Alma was fixing breakfast. John, quote, feeling like Judas gave her a kiss and asked him, she asked him about the noise like downstairs and John gave like a vague non-answer. He then put the gun on her left temple and pulled the trigger. Um, Her body was too heavy for him to drag all the way down to the ballroom. So he tossed a towel over her face 
and left her on the floor where she had fallen. Back downstairs, he cleaned up, quote, a surprising amount of blood in the kitchen to the ballroom. Hmm. Yeah, so, wow. This seems like it, it seems like a very Virgo way of approaching it where it's not about the violence. It's not about like I'm going to it's not a serial murder, you know, where it's like almost out of enjoyment. It's like this is the solution to my problem, which is mm-hmm. disgusting and horrendous. But but you're right. Very... It's so the approach, it's like, OK, so I have now found the solution to my problem. What are the steps that I'm going to take in order yeah. to fix this in order to solve it and clean up after the mess you know he later Hmm. said that he did it from behind like shooting them from behind like and he thought that was like a more noble thing because they never saw it coming and he was like look like i was taking care of them no Hmm. you were killing your family you asshole and i don't understand how his reasoning behind suicide is that's a sin but murder is not um, I'll tell, keep that like in your mind. I'll tell you what his, his why later, his motive okay. later, which is of course awful. But anyway, okay. so let, let's continue <laughs> this amazing <laughs> oh, wow. story. So he then proceeded to the next steps of his dark plan. He wrote letters, made phone calls to his kids, teachers, his boss, which I guess he had a job at this time. I don't know. Who knows? Hmm. And others stating that the family had to go leave to attend to a sick relative in North Carolina, which this is a little caveat, but Helen's mother was in North Carolina and was supposed to come and stay with them, but ended up not coming to Breeznell because she was sick. John later said if she was there, she would have died too. Hmm. So, yeah, so he went to the post office as and mailed letters and also stopped letters from coming to his house. He arranged for their milk and newspaper deliveries to stop. And finally, he dropped by the bank and cashed in his mother's $2,000 savings bond. And then he went back to Breeznell, made himself a sandwich in the same kitchen he just murdered his wife in, and then waited for his children to come home. So, like, we can see here the meticulous planning. Intentional, yeah. yeah. Intentional action, like. Down to the sandwich. Yeah, down to the sandwich, exactly. (laughs) My day is planned out down to, like, okay, so at 9 a.m., kids on the bus, 9.05, murder my wife. Like. Yeah. Oh, my God. And not that this makes it any better because crime of passions are still murders. But, Mm. like, this wasn't a crime of passion. He. He had a plan. Like in America, we call this first degree murder, where there is a premeditated plan to murder someone. And it's interesting you brought up the crime of passion because actually, for this day, there is a grand fire trying. Guys, it's insane. For my mind, November 9th. November 9th. In my mind, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is passion. Like, this is getting swept up in the moment and you know going off of that but this is exactly not that which it's so it's so wild i'm sure there are other kind of ways to read that i have another hypothesis for rising okay mm-hmm. i i'm not set on it obviously but i think potentially libra rising 
because this would put Pluto in his first house or transiting Pluto in his first house. And then it would put Saturn in his second house, which would show frustrations and difficulties with finances. And then also all of his Virgo in the 12th house, which rules debt and also, you know, kind of less than happy situations in life. He would have like a whole, he would have four planets in the 12th house. So mm-hmm. that's just another hypothesis I have there. The only thing that I'm like not crazy about is the actual Libra rising itself because it, that think doesn't get seem along to with be, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Like that's more of the charming Ted Bundy kind of murderer vibe. Yeah, yeah. this is not John. Which Lewis is not that. But, but all the placements that you said, that does make a lot of sense. Mm. But I mean... Could we also? But I, ha- I don't know. I also like. I still prefer Aquarius rising because I think then that Saturn would be in the tenth house, which is like difficulty in providing for the family, difficulty yeah. in having that traditional father role, and yeah, yeah and being the provider. And like I know that we're going to get more information on part two of this, you know, murder <laughs> day. But I will say, like, okay, seriously, the chart. For this day, like we just pulled up, you know, November 9th, 1971, and this is just a sunrise chart we're looking at. The grand fire trine happening here is insane. And if you're just popping in, like, what does that mean? It like just visually, it looks like a giant ass triangle in the middle of the chart. And it means that there are all of the fire signs activated in like a pretty exact uh trine so we've got the moon is at 12 degrees leo jupiter is at 10 degrees sagittarius and then we've got chiron at 10 degrees aries and we've also mm-hmm. got uh neptune and mercury and venus and sagittarius and um the south node is also next to that moon but it is just this huge fire trine happening yeah and and it's just i mean also it's creating this like t-square to mars because we've got Saturn is in Gemini. And then we've also got like with Mercury and Venus and, and Neptune directly opposite it in Sagittarius. And then we've got Mars in Pisces. And so it feels like this was just like, I know like the crime of passion, I can absolutely see how this would ignite that. But also I feel like this just, it, it feels like a, this is the day to do it. Like sw- the the switch has been flipped. It just seems like a yeah. switch flipped day. And something about that with all of his Virgo being opposite, like his his Virgo being activated by all of that, it seems like that was building up to this moment, just being the recipe, the perfect recipe for disaster in in this way. Yeah. And actually, we, we also have a kite because we've got this grand fire trine and then Uranus in opposition to Chiron creating that kite formation and Uranus right. is in Libra. It's very sudden changes and revolutionary innovative ways of finding a solution. And it literally in, being in the sign of partnerships and relationships kind of fitting for him there. Jeez. I also just looked up November 9th, 1971 was on a Tuesday. Mars day. Mars. Look at that. Damn. And Mars being activated here. Wow. If we go off the Aquarius rising too, Mars would have just entered his second house. Mars being in Pisces. It's like, okay, here's the delusional action I can take to fix the problem of my finances. That's like right there. Yeah. Mm. And the sun being, I mean, it's the middle of Scorpio season for this, like the sun being on his Saturn too, where he's like, oh, here's a fucked up illuminating way to help out my struggles with providing for family. Have no family. So, 
This Sorry. next paragraph is going to be hard to read. And if you want to skip ahead like 30 seconds, I don't blame you. Okay. So after John ate his sandwich with his mother and wife dead in the house, of course, Patricia came home um, because she wasn't feeling well. So John actually picked her up from school. So once home, uh, John shot her in the jaw with his antique 22 uh, millimeter piece pistol, which was a souvenir he had kept from his time in war. He then dragged her body into the ballroom and laid her out next to her mother. Next was Fred. John shot him the same way as he did the others and laid his body out next to Patricia. John Jr. had a soccer game after school that day. So John Sr., John List, um, drove to the field and watched him play but then gave him a ride home. Once inside the kitchen, John List shot him in the back of the head. But unlike the other members of the family who like had dropped instantly after the first shot, John Jr. struggled. And it seemed like there was defensive wounds on him, um, like he tried to run away. So he was actually shot nine more times. Whoa. So a total of 10 times before he passed away. And he also dragged him into the ballroom with the rest of his family. He then said a prayer in a Lutheran hymnal over their bodies and quote, it was the least he could do. <laughs> okay. So if you did skip over that, just mm -hmm. too long, didn't read all the children were also murdered and laid by in the ballroom as well. Yeah. So um, just a head note, Heads up, if you go and research this murder, there are some graphic photos um, mm -hmm. of them actually in the ballroom. So just a heads up, like if you go and do your own research, you will wow. see that. Wow. And it's as disturbing as it sounds. So, mm. yeah. So after all that, John cleaned up the blood as best as he could. Then he sat down at the table and ate dinner. That oh is my so God. Sorry. I don't know why I'm up on that, but it, yeah. It feels like he just scheduled it into his day. Like, it yeah, feels, it feels like this disrespectful. Is just, yeah, it, it's just like, okay, well, instead of going to work today, this is on my agenda, but like, you know, what I do every day is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had breakfast uh, with my wife, killed her, okay, come back, uh, had lunch, then killed my children, then had dinner, then, you know, like, it's just, it yeah. seems so freaking, like, honestly, like, that is some sort of, like Virgo, we stick to a plan of like, yeah. I have these certain things. I mean, Virgo rules the quote unquote mundane, like everyday routine and schedule. And so the fact that like, he really just took this mentality of like, I am now scheduling this as part of my day. And like exactly what you said, Kaylin, this is not a crime of passion. This is such no, a no, premeditated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just in the same way of, oh, I'm going to take my car to the train station and pretend I'm going to work and just read the newspaper. Like he had a plan to take up his time that fit into mm -hmm. the schedule of his work day. This was like his work day for him. This is disgusting. Yeah. For anyone wondering, he has zero tourist placements. So I know I was wondering too. I was wondering. Yeah, too. no tourist placements. But I will say like something about that. Maybe it's because of my tourist placements where I'm like, that feels ultra disrespectful that like, I don't know, in the way, in yeah. his own fucked up logical way, he did this in a very removed and respectful mm -hmm. way. He was doing it for his, what, like, whatever, in his own fucked up logic, he was doing this out of respect so that 
for whatever reason but then to like have his meals and like have the luxury of getting to eat throughout the day just i don't know it's so disrespectful to me and there's no better he went to bed and slept which he later admitted better than he had in years (gasps) well your children and your wife are are dead downstairs and your mother is dead upstairs and you had a good night's sleep and the fact that he had to admit that is like so fucked up yeah horribly fucked up it's so wild to me that he's also got venus and scorpio because venus and scorpio if you listen to last week's episode when we talked about it is such a bonded placement that's such a like karmic my relationships are everything and i think maybe it's the conjunction to saturn that shows that maybe he had difficulty bonding in relationships and actually having that uh, intimacy in his close yeah. relationships and his partnerships yeah. you're so right because venus in scorpio is like the dedicated and i mean like the your mind forever loyalty type yeah. of bonding it's tunnel vision of love like you know it's we we can't see beyond it because we're so like it's an obsessive type of love in like a you know uh okay neither so good I'm nor bad to read his motive so are okay. y'all right, yeah. oh, so the next morning he woke up he sat down and wrote a five-page confession letter to his pastor so these are direct quotes and then i'll say what his what he wrote was his motive Well, also, I'm sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is it wasn't easy and only done after much thought. That's it. And thought about it. Yeah. And quote, after it was all over, I said prayers for them all from the hymn book. That was the least I could do. So the reason I'm paraphrasing here now. The reason he said he killed his whole family was because he saw them moving into a life of sin and the only way that they were guaranteed to go to heaven was if he murdered them. I'm I need to hold myself back. Yeah. <laughs> I just cannot. I'm like, I don't want this episode to just be me being like pissed and Fashion taking it out on the idea of men again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mimi has her moments of just the concept of men, I believe you say. (laughs) Well, like, what's fucked up is he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see them in heaven. No, the hell you're not. You're rotting right now, buddy. John and Mill list. Yeah. Yikes. I think that, I don't know, like, there's, when you hear the reasonings behind some of these things, Mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, that, (laughs) that kind of, I mean, maybe it is that Scorpio intensity of that is like, if this is the only way to do it, I'm going to do it like hardcore, you know, like there's, there's mm-hmm. no other way around it. And because I believe this so fully that this, like, there's no way I can save them from it. This is the only way. So I'm going full into it. I don't know. Like, that's the only, like, again, not real yeah, logic, but really committed. Yeah. yeah really committed. Yeah. Trying to make the illogical logical is just like, it's a mind fuck. It's painful. Yeah. It's interesting too, because on the day of the murders, the moon and the south node 
again this is like if we have aquarius rising um are in the seventh house and the moon transiting a house is such a small window it's like a two and a half day long window for his moon and the moon in leo being in this placement and regardless of the housing system because we don't know his rising sign it's basically on his north node and he's going through his reverse nodal return so the south node is on his north node and the north node is on a south node so there's some activation of uh yeah of like what's the solution how do we move forward how do i gain uh infamy or gain success and recognition in a way but it doesn't sound like he did this to be known for this like Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like fame was on his radar it, yeah. it seems like his way forward, though, because like North Node is like moving forward towards what your life goal is. And I think it was more like this. I mean, South Node being right there, too, with the moon, like this release of anything holding me back. Like yeah. he and to, to his mind, he's living, uh, you know, he's not living a life of sin. His family is. And mm-hmm. so like the only way to not have himself be held back. And also like we've got Leo, like, you know, definitely deals with ego and like leaning mm-hmm. into, I have to think about me here as yeah. opposed to South Node of Aquarius thinking about everybody else. I mean, like, yeah, I can see that. And I definitely can see the Aquarius rising just for like the, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe also potentially Aries rising because then it places like the Virgo stuff in the sixth house, the Scorpio stuff in the eighth house, which fits. Which fits, but Aries rising, I feel like there would be like that, that fire trine would be a lot more activated with him if it was. And again, this was, this was premeditated over passion for sure. And I think in Aries rising, um, I mean, the only thing that like I'm I'm thinking of too is that there was a moment of panic with that with the last of the murders, and if you if mm-hmm. you skipped that part, like there was definitely like a an overkill aspect of that last murder because like bullet one did not go as planned, and so I mean that to me was like a like a like fuck I have to finish the job like panic like yeah. I feel like that was the losing the Virgo cool. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned or touched on, like, the religious aspect of this. And his midheaven is in Sagittarius. Like, what he's known for and the the persona and his image to the public is this religious man, this man who is, like, God-fearing and, like, is ruled by God. And all of this grand fire trine that we got, we have four planets in Sagittarius, all of them forming a conjunction to his midheaven so his ideals his beliefs really guiding his actions that he took that like eventually led him to being known for this act yeah i yeah. can see the aquarius midheaven i mean the aquarius rising giving that sag midheaven then yeah so, well so he would also have the sag midheaven and it would be in the ninth house for aries rising and then the 11th house for aquarius rising which i see either being true yeah Yeah. So after he wrote his five page confession to his pastor, he turned on every light in the house, turned on the radio to his favorite classical news station, hoping that would trick any intruders into thinking there were people in the home. Finally, he searched out every family picture in the house and cut his image out of them, which I find so fucked up like he's getting more and more delusional yeah 
Oh, oh, I just don't like it at all. I don't know. Something about I know. it just me over it's the so edge. It's so creepy. Yeah. So, I hate that today is his birthday. Like, I just I hate, hate this. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and just also think from a law enforcement perspective, that mm. makes it really harder to find him because back in these days, there weren't right. millions of selfies of someone. There were <laughs> portraits and his face is cut out of them. And I think like, so that's the law enforcement perspective. Then like the psychological perspective, he wasn't a part of that family anymore. Exactly. Mm. Like that's the removing, like, mm-hmm. yeah, completely removing myself from this. Like I am no longer associated with you. I've saved you from your sin. I've done my duty. Uh, and you know, and now I am, I am completely disassociating from this. Oh, like the other option is to leave your family, you know, that's another option. I mean that divorce. So Lutheran. I know in the times. Are but also fine with times divorce, matter. but like at that time no yeah yeah but like murder is family or like i know this is awful to say but like it would have just been better if you committed suicide (laughs) Mm, yeah removed yourself yeah but then that was a sin but murdering your family isn't make it make sense you can't yeah i mean there's no good solution yeah Yeah. so after he did all this he walked out the door and locked it behind him the FBI later found out that John drove to John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York City and then left the car there. <laughs> then he took a bus back to the city. From there, he took a train to Denver, where he legally applied for a new Social Security card under huh. the name Robert Peter Clark. And then he got a job as a short order cook and then started his new life. Those are three first names. Red flag. Yeah, we'll go back mm-hmm. to that in a minute. But yeah, yeah, he went by Bob Clark. So anyway. Too much. Um, okay. Also, I said there's no good solution, but like the solution would have been owning up to the fact that he couldn't afford this mansion that they didn't need anyway. Mm-hmm. And that is just like those Leo placements. I Out of pride, there's no way he could have admitted to the fact that he couldn't sustain or provide for his family. Yeah. Huh. It's so mm. screwed up. So... Like I said, when we first started this story, the bodies weren't discovered until a month later on December 7th when Patricia's drama teacher sound the alarm. So, like, let me set up that scene again that the police officers walked into. So the house was almost entirely dark because all of the lights that he left on had burned out by this point, um, except for a single one upstairs. So, like, there were shadows over everything. So, like, that's just, like, super creepy. So, um so the air inside was frigid he turned the air down to like preserve the bodies and there was haunting classical music playing over the house intercom and then they walked into the ballroom with four bodies laying on sleeping bags and three of those bodies were children and then there was an old woman upstairs so like talk about the trauma Mm. like oh my god yeah there wasn't much of an investigation because of that five-page confession letter, which explained, like, motive, how he did it, why he did it, blah, blah, blah. But to think, John had a head start of a month. A month. Yeah. Yeah. So Westfield, New Jersey, had, like, very few violent crimes. Before this, it was famous for the Lindbergh ki- kidnapping that happened yeah. in Westfield, New Jersey. 
if you don't know anything about that, it was a very famous crime where Charles Lindbergh, who was a um, a pilot, his child was kidnapped. And there's really interesting theories about like yeah. eugenics and stuff. Maybe I'll cover that on another one. But yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so like the creepiness of this murder, like received national attention, um, which rightly so. So there was a national manhunt that ensued without much success. And also remember, like there weren't many photographs of him because he removed them all. Mm. So the only lead was that they found the car at JFK, but there was like no evidence that he had gotten on the flight. So Alma's body was flown back to Michigan and interred at St. Lorenz Lutheran Cemetery per John List's request in one of the letters, but also her husband was there. So that made sense. And Helen and her three children were buried in Fairview Cemetery in Westfield. Now, this is really crazy. So something to note, Breeze Knoll, their house, remained empty until it caught fire in August 1972, which what the fire was of arson, but there were like no suspects. But here's something that is absolutely crazy. So I sent you a picture destroyed along with the destroyed with the home was the ballroom stained glass skylight which was like a signed tiffany original glass which was a worth at that time a hundred thousand dollars so that's equivalent to about seven hundred thousand dollars today so if the family had sold the skylight all of their money issues would have been resolved and they would have had money left over wow but like also if you would have sold the house that's what i'm saying like that's yeah. the solution but his pride like would not allow yeah. him to admit that and then i also read some places like breeze knoll was like a total money pit like it wasn't well cared for before mm-hmm. they moved in and like then they moved in and they realized like oh this is like a lot more of an undertaking than it than mm-hmm. we thought so a new house was built on this site in 1974 and, like, then there were some theories before John List was caught that did he go back and commit arson on Breeze Knoll to further destroy evidence? I don't know. But I'm sure, like, I like to think it was, like, a person in the community who was, like, that house needs to be burned down to the ground because of all the awful things that happened there. But yeah. Anyway, so, like I said earlier, John had taken a train to Colorado after... He annihilated his family. He settled in Denver. And in early 1972, he took an accounting job uh, under the name Robert Peter Clark. But he went by Bob Clark. And he picked that name because it was one of his college classmates. But the real, like, Bob Clark said that he had never known like John List. So, like, he oh, didn't God. understand. But also, it's, like, a generic name. So, right. Um, yeah, from 1979 to uh, 1986, he was a comptroller at a paper box manufacturer. Living <laughs> his insurance America. dreams. Yeah, he joined a Lutheran congregation and ran carpool for like shut-in church members. At one religious gathering, he met um, an army PX clerk named Dolores Miller, and they married in 1985. In February 1988, the couple moved to uh, Virginia, 
where List was still using the name Bob Clark, and he resumed work as an accountant at a small accounting firm. Hmm. Um, so meanwhile, the police like followed up on every tip, citing lead, and it led to nowhere. Um, and like think back in this time, like there's not social media, like it was easy to disappear. I don't think and any like, change is social security, like you yeah, could legally, like, which we, is so crazy to me. Like, I mean, yeah. this was really in the times of changing. Like, I mean, I'm thinking like of FBI even starting to develop a criminal, like, um, what is mm-hmm. it? What's the unit? The profile. Um, yeah. The, the profiling unit, because before this was just not like serial killer was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, mass murder in this way anyways. So I mean, this was yeah. The serial killer like craze really picked up in the 1980s, and like family annihilators wasn't even a word back then. That's technically what John List was. He, um, for people who don't know, to like classify as a serial killer, there has to be three or more murders in over a period of certain time. Um, a mass murderer is like someone who commits like a school shooting. Like there's multiple mm-hmm. murders at one time and a family annihilator is someone who kills their entire family at one time. So mm-hmm. those are the different kinds of like murderers, um, like mass murderers. So, and that was, like little. you said, that was not a thing. That no, was it wasn't like, a thing. Oh, yeah. And honestly, and- like these terms really didn't come around until like the two thousands, which yeah. is like crazy to think um yeah but like I I feel like it's just like a a level of like of societal innocence that no longer exists of like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you lost your social security card of course you can apply for a new one so that you can have your social security card you know and also back then like my dad told me like he got his social security card when he was like in kindergarten and my dad's name is Michael but he didn't realize that his name was Michael. He just thought his name was Mike. So like he had issues when he was an adult because his social security card said Mike Munt instead of Michael Munt. So like there, so like that's also interesting. Like you didn't get a social security number when you were a child. Yeah. So or when you were born. You were born. So it's just yeah, it's like very interesting. It's kind of interesting that like the uh detective or detecting of yeah just murderers and like that profiling Mm -hmm. unit started coming about during this pluto and scorpio time Mm -hmm. you know when investigation became more important and prevalent and also i'm just over here thinking about how he's an accountant (laughs) but it makes sense to a scorpio in the 10th house dealing with other people's money as his career yeah well yeah and like so like murders back then were only solved by local police and like not to bash Mm -hmm. on the police but they did not have the time, money, or any resources. Not not, not bashing the police. Yeah. <laughs> it, training to solve a murder. Like nowadays, yeah. if there was a crime like this, the first thing the, the local police would do would call the FBI. And that yeah. wasn't really a thing back then. Yeah. So it's yeah. just interesting. So like all this press that they did to like keep the case in the public eye, like publishing the story on the significant anniversaries, like it didn't do anything. They even tried to get the case featured on Unsolved Mysteries to no avail. And like if anyone knows me, like I love Unsolved Mysteries, oh God, like yeah. the old <laughs> and the new versions. And like 
I watch Unsolved Mysteries uh, like all the time. And I think like this would have been such a great case for them. And so yeah. I was I was really surprised. So by 1989, the list case was nearly 18 years old, cold as hell. So another TV show that was new at the time, maybe you've heard of it, America's Most Wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was they were only on the air for a little over a year at this point. So the captain and the prosecutor's office in Westfield thought it would be like the perfect vehicle to get the list case like to a wider audience. Um, however, the show initially turned down the case because it was, quote, too old, too cold. Until John Walsh caught wind of the case. Do y'all know who John Walsh is? No. So his son was, um, what's the word, abducted and killed um, in Florida, I want to believe, in the 1980s. John Walsh set up the John Walsh Foundation, which later turned into NECMEC, which is the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. Wow. He's known as a really big victim's advocate. And he was the host of America's Most Wanted at this time. Okay. So John Walsh is a fascinating person. Um, and like he has he's done so much for like not only like children, victims of crime, but just victims of crime in the like general sense. So yeah. yeah so he was the host of America's Most Wanted at this time and he wanted to cover the case. Now, this was hard because back then they didn't have, like, technology to do an age progression photo. Um, And also remember, there weren't many photos of John List. So Walsh called a forensic sculptor named Frank Bender to create an age-progressed bust of List. So in addition to, like, the standard facial recreation measurements that, like, most forensic anthropologist used at that time he also reached out to a forensic psychologist and they did a psychological profile of list so like this was new at the time and like from what i understand this was like profiling um before profiling was even a thing so bender looked at pictures of list parents to see how like their faces have aged and using all of that information, along with his own intuition, he created a bust of what List, who would be now in his 60s in the eight, uh, late 80s, would look like. But it was not complete without his glasses. So knowing List's personality, Bender scored thrift stores for just the right frames that someone like List would likely wear. And once he found the pair that he thought would be a good fit, uh, the bust was finished. So... Um, the America's Most Wanted episode aired May 21st, 1989. Is that like a significant date at all? May 21st would be yeah, the beginning May. of Taurus season. So kind no, of- no, no, sorry. Beginning of Gemini season. Gemini. Oh, yeah. Okay, end of Taurus season. So an estimated 22 million people saw the program, including true crime fans Wanda Flannery and her daughter, Ava Mitchell, who lived in Denver. So even before the bust was shown, um, they were sure that their former neighbor, Bob Clark, like fit the description of like a soft spoken, always wore a suit, an accountant, and a devout Lutheran. And then when Bender's forensic bust shown on screen, they were stunned. It looked just like Clark down to the glasses. I have chills everywhere, and we're going to show a picture of this, by the way, but, like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah like, you imagine. So it is. 
it's spot on to like what he looked like it's crazy and at that time like that wasn't like like I said age progression technology wasn't a thing and so like Bender really like Nailed did it. the damn thing yeah yeah, yeah. let's so, talk about this day so on this day just looking at the moon the moon is literally in jupiter on top of his midheaven jupiter or not jupiter oh my god moon and jupiter maybe get your shit together uh moon is in sagittarius <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> sagittarius rules broadcasting it rules publishing really? on an expansive level and then to be conjunct his midheaven him being on display to the public Woof. through this broadcasting channel that's what? so crazy. That is crazy. So they called the tip line, and eleven days later, the FBI was knocking on the their the Virginia home owned by Bob and Dolores Clark. Dolores told the FBI that her husband Bob was at work, so agents showed up at the office where quote unquote Bob Clark was working as an accountant. One of the agents said it was striking how much he looked like Bender sculpture. And it'll be on the Instagram. So, like, go see, like, the comparison because it's crazy. They asked him if he was Bob Clark. They said yes. He said yes. Then they asked him if he was John List, and he denied it. He continued (laughs) to deny it even after his prints were found to match the prints taken from List when he applied for a handgun permit. List was arrested and charged with five counts of first-degree murder. Finally, the trial began April 2nd, 1980, 18 and a half years after the killings. 1990? Oh, yeah, sorry, 1990, 18 and a half years after the killings. Wow. So on April 11th, 1990, so this was a short, a short case. So after nine hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty on all five counts of first-degree murder. Wow. He was given the maximum sentence allowed at the time, five consecutive life terms. And when his sentence was read out loud, the courtroom erupted in applause. And if I was there, I would have done the same damn thing. (laughs) Wow, yeah. So one person, however, wasn't happy with the verdict, and that was John Walsh. Because he wanted Liz to get the death penalty. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So um, many in law enforcement, including uh, John Walsh, credit Bender's amazing accurate bust as cracking one of the oldest cases at the time. Um, (sighs) In fact, uh, John Walsh kept that bust in his office for many years. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about capture date. Yes. So this guy, I'm like, it keeps solidifying just how important Saturn is in his chart. Like, and as if he were to be in Aquarius or Capricorn rising, Saturn would be his chart ruler. So any transits happening to that, to his natal Saturn or transiting Saturn affecting um, him would be super like poignant. And on the day of his capture, we have Saturn, the planet of consequences, conjunct his jupiter in capricorn yes. in would be the 12th house 12th house rules imprisonment i was and gonna so the say consequences oh. yeah the consequences <laughs> coming to him and also pluto is on top of his saturn so we have this uh karmic debt that he's paying that's very public in the 10th house like on top of his saturn which is the uh wrongdoings that he's taken on and you know like if you don't handle your Saturn job the way that you're meant to and you go with a very unevolved or vindictive malicious like malicious way of channeling your Saturn energy 
Pluto coming on top of that is really going to like, okay, grandpappy Pluto has talked to Grand daddy Peppy Saturn Pluto. and they've yeah. decided how you're going to get fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For technical uh, astrology terms. My professional astrology. At, yeah. <laughs> when grandpappy Pluto and daddy Saturn get together, they decide this is how you're going to be fucked. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Sorry, that was no, so but really. No, but like, yeah. I mean, the astrology of the day is fascinating to look at. And I love that your brain just like picks up on all those things too. Cause I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, floored. I'm floored. And I really like, I think that well, it was also like when y'all told me on the last episode of, um, oh God, what was his name? Herberto yeah. and like his captured date. Like that was crazy Ugh. to go. Yeah. It's crazy. insane. It's yeah. insane. And, and again, like that shows how, you know, this, this wasn't necessarily an insane day for everybody in the world. It's mm-hmm. an insane day for him because you look at his personal astrology in relation to the transits that are happening and holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then going forward on the day that he was uh, officially, what's the term? Not indicted. He was indicted before them, but uh, convicted, right? That's the term. Mm-hmm. April 11th, which unfair, that's my birthday. How dare they? Uh, we have the moon in Scorpio conjunct his Saturn again. So this is just like a little snapshot, a little look into what is being touched on where like the capture date, I think was the really big date where things started getting set in motion. And yeah. then we have the moon conjunct the Saturn too. We've got Pluto Lilith conjunct his Saturn in the 10th house, like all of this very public display of the consequences that he has to face now yeah and we really didn't talk about his jupiter in capricorn i've kind of been sitting with it and trying to figure it out because i mean jupiter capricorn's like religion fatherhood those two things definitely fit for him but i'm just wondering like his i don't know i it's still sort of sitting with me i don't know if you have any thoughts on that sarah yeah well i mean we have it's jupiter in capricorn is in uh fall Mm. you know because jupiter and cancer is exalted and so jupiter capricorn is in fall and so um listen to our exaltation and fall episode if you're interested in (laughs) what the heck that means but basically that the job that jupiter has to do capricorn is not the best employee for that job and so it it's a very you know a plan goal-oriented sign for an expansive freedom planet and so Mm. it seems like very i can see that in a restrictive energy especially i don't know that being in the 12th house it being a little bit murky to him even a little bit you know not sure how to even access that maybe but Mm. especially like your luck and expansion coming from this goal oriented i have i am boss energy and never quite being able to embody that boss energy and it's also i mean it's it's opposite his son or sorry it's trying his son so it's and and mars you know so it's playing with those and so i feel like he again had the opportunity to do this a different way like jupiter was kind of presenting an opportunity to do it a different way but the capricorn element of it was like the the monetary and status pride that comes yeah. with capricorn was kind of not allowing that jupiter you know to find a different solution somehow yeah that's so true and also jupiter like <laughs> 
I don't want any personal growth for this man. I don't want any healing for this man. Like I want, obviously this is like looking at it very objectively. Like Jupiter is the planet of personal growth and spiritual growth and it being stunted in Capricorn. Like it almost shows like the only personal growth that he could have achieved it or retribution for not having taken on the growth that he should have, or like the way he could have grown through not not letting his pride win and selling the damn mansion that he couldn't afford is through the systems the government set for him and then in the 12th house that system would be prison that's the only way i can really see it yeah Hmm. so so he of course like later appealed the case john list (laughs) claiming he had been suffering from ptsd from his combat experience Hmm. Now, I know people with PTSD. I have experienced PTSD and I am not a family annihilator. So anyway, the federal appeals court rejected his claims. Now, this is interesting and I definitely want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Journalist Delaney R. Bartlett wrote in her article about John List that she thinks that he could have been on the autism spectrum. Hmm. Um, She wrote, why do I think he was on the spectrum? Look at how what his coworkers and neighbors said about him. He was a hard worker, focused, meticulous, traits commonly found with people on the spectrum. He was soft-spoken, polite, pathologically avoided conflict, yet he seemed, quote, strange, odd, and off-putting. This sounds very much like someone on the spectrum. Their odd behaviors and seeming lack of social skills are probably the most well-known symptoms of the mm-hmm. disorder. The fact that he was diagnosed with OCD. Oh, he was diagnosed with OCD, by the way. Even fits with that. Um, The symptoms of OCD and autism are so similar that they're commonly indistinguishable, uh, even with doctors and psychiatrists. Okay. Uh, So I find that interesting. And I think that could fit because definitely something like autism wasn't really known about studied back in the time and i think that could fit like some certain behaviors but people with autism are <laughs> normally very non-violent um so in- yeah and that's not an excuse and no. it's not a cause no. like autism i think is not it a could i think it actions. could explain some of his odd behaviors mm-hmm. and work um, like we talked about how there was like personality clashes because i can see if like if it's not something that people are used to have a name for understand the tendencies of it can be you know maybe just like the way in which things are said and presented and especially with this Virgo energy in a very matter of fact way that could maybe offend somebody because it was true, but maybe not the best way to say something. You know, I can see how that could like, we have like multiple cases of, Hey, you did your job well, but there's personality clashes like, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, I and I could also could explain. Yeah. That, um, and like the fact that he was so meticulous and like mm-hmm. able to separate himself from what we would deem as like normal emotions like that makes sense but like Mimi said it is not an excuse at all but I thought it was interesting because um like that was the only place that I saw that and yeah, so that's interesting. and of course for a plea like they're going to use mental health like that's a classic yeah. that has yeah. it's still being used now always it's mental health I know I mean I mental health does not excuse bad behaviors though no it can help explain it but it does not excuse it in any exactly 
And autism isn't a mental health issue. It's just, uh, it's like a personality issue, right? Oh, it's a condition. Yeah. Let's preface by saying that none of us are like mental health doctors. We're not experts on any of these diagnoses. I'll say from personal experience, I have OCD. I've had OCD for a very long time. And I'm very surprised to hear in that article that she said that uh, autism and OCD are very similar and almost undistinguishable because I thought that was true too. Yeah. Because I hard disagree with that. I think that they're very different symptoms and they come across very differently. And then as for the PTSD, it's interesting because from what I've like learned over time about PTSD and violent actions from war veterans, that PTSD comes on as a sudden onset of violence, where with this, it was very methodical. He had, yeah, meticulous. He had his meals between each, like this didn't seem, this seemed like the motive was based on his reality of his present situation, not because he was being triggered and his PTSD was like flared. Yeah. Also, we can bring it like thinking like going back to autism versus OCD. I can see that in the overlap for me, someone who is not an expert in any way, but who has just learned about it through, you know, through my life is that Mm. there is an element of detail oriented in both cases. I know that like on like within the autism spectrum Mm. there, the noticing of details and patterns is definitely something that comes up in OCD. I know that there's a compulsion that, you know, comes from details often comes from details but we have this virgo sun and moon here that then has this overlap with detail oriented so regardless of if we've got ocd if we have the autism spectrum somewhere we can definitely bring this to somebody who has prominent virgo placements that in any way in which it's expressed is going to be noticing small details going to be methodical and is going to have a a a routine about them that is going to be noticed by the people in their life. Yeah, I wanted to see what the rulership book had to say, because to me, OCD, like as an archetype, OCD seems ruled by Virgo and autism actually seems more ruled by Aquarius. Like if I were as an astrologer to say these, like what signs are what mental conditions or just conditions in general. And it's interesting that we're kind of speculating that he has both of these placements. Yeah. And also him, like, always wearing a suit, even to, like, mow his mm-hmm. lawn. I thought that was interesting because I know a lot of people with autism have, like, sensory issues. Mm. And that could have been, like, his protection. I don't know. Yeah. But- they are both very detail-oriented. You're so right, yeah. Sierra. And and with OCD, it's, like, a control issue. Whereas from what I've heard, again, like, I don't have personal experience with autism. But it's more of a, yeah, a sensory control mm-hmm. issue. So both yeah. having that desire for control over the outcome. Yeah. I thought it was just an interesting anecdote. Um, yeah. So John Liss died of pneumonia uh, March 21st, 2008. He was mm-hmm. 82 years old and he can rot in hell. Um, now, this is like a weird anecdote that like kind of sounded an alarm for me. Um, the drama teacher who like set the alarm of like Patricia's not coming to school and actually led to the discovery of their bodies, Edwin Alano, made a movie in 1991 titled The Patricia List Story. And it's like kind of a piece, like um, like a lost media piece. Like not many people have seen the movie, um, but I found a blog that had. And like the movie portrays like Alano and Patricia's relationship which is weird. So in the film, mm-hmm. Alana reenacts having sex with not only Patricia, but two other girls in the drama club. 
Mm. And like, what? <laughs> like, what is that? I it's wonder like- if that was like an additional to keep plot interesting sort of well, thing. Also, I read and I didn't put much weight into it. He said that Patricia told him that his father, that her father was going to kill the family. And so I don't put much weight into that because it's odd, but a lot of people like to insert themselves into crimes after it happens and try to make themselves a hero or weird ass people who will like call people uh, whose family member is missing and be like, oh, I'm the family member or, oh, I know where it is. (laughs) And like, not. And so like him trying to make a name out of himself from Patricia List murder is like such bullshit to me and like this and like it was like a soft porn film huh oh okay like all right that was just like weird to me um the youtube video that i was talking about uh by what the french toast was like explaining that and i was like oh that is so screwed up and then i found that blog but yeah so that's the story of uh, the messed up family annihilator, John List, and rest in peace, Alma, Helen, Patricia, Frederick, and John Jr. Yeah. And uh, also, he was only in prison for 19 years. So, man, he-, he survived so long after his crime. That's how long he was not in prison that he should have been. Yeah, he should have been in prison for what's 1938. Yeah. I also, I just cannot imagine, like, my brain is going to his second wife. Where, yeah. Like, learning that this was the fate of the his previous family that they didn't even know, she didn't even know existed. And then it's not just like, oh, and you're. And then she had a daughter as well. <sighs> not with him. No, not with him, but um, from her previous marriage. Her name was yeah. Dolores Miller Clark. She died in 1981, which is interesting. The daughter? And, uh, no, his second wife. 1991? So, like, right when he was, like, convicted, right? Died in 1991? Uh, 89. Oh, she died in 89? Yeah. Suspicious. So that was before... Yeah, so that was right when the most want America's Most Wanted episode aired. And there's definitely like um a similarity between how she looks and how Helen looked, which I find interesting. Not a time. Um, and since she died, they never got divorced. How did she die? Oh no, she did end up divorcing him. Oh, okay. Arrest. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Damn. Uh, yeah. And she died shortly after, which is sad, but Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the circumstances was, but I were, but I can't imagine like the the trauma of mm. a different type of trauma. <laughs> different type of trauma here, but um to like I mean, speaking as a married person, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you were to learn like a secret history of like a person you committed your life to, I I mean the the toll that that would take on you physically, mentally, emotionally, I can't even imagine. So yeah. Wow. wow yeah. Wow. And then uh Helen's first daughter from her previous marriage did some interviews after the family was annihilated and was 
I mean, of course, her siblings and mother died, which is awful. And Mm -hmm. she just couldn't make sense of what happened, which, I mean, like, no shit. Yeah. Brenda List. Let's see if there's anything about her. Uh, Would it be List or would it be Clark? She changed her name to List, yeah. Brenda. Yeah, there's not much about her. I found a photo of her, but that's about it. And so, like, also, I don't think people understand, like, families of not only the victims, but the annihilators are also victims. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, they deserve as much respect and privacy as anyone else. Um, Like, I don't think people, like, uh, Ted Bundy had, like, a daughter. And, um, like people have tried to find her and talk to her over the years and like no like stop yeah, it no. yeah <laughs> yeah she, she yeah. probably just wants so badly not to let that be her story yeah yeah and um uh who's the guy who killed jfk lee harvey oswald yes so he had two daughters and one of his daughters worked in a restaurant in austin and it was like a tourist attraction because she worked there isn't that oh like my God. So wow. like I wouldn't want to be known as like Lee Harvey Oswald's daughter no. and the only she just said that he should have like gotten a fair trial which everyone is constitutionally they should have that right so yeah but yeah leave people alone <laughs> leave people alone and on that note leave on that note alone. leave us alone no, no. oh my gosh this was like such a detail like i was like i mean yeah. this is a long episode but i'm thinking like yeah. we were in it the whole time like there it was so much to cover and there's so much astrology with it that just like hits so right and so yeah, we know wild that this piece of shit is a Virgo sun, Virgo moon. And we speculate, we're speculating that he's an Aquarius rising based Mm. on what, you know, based on housing system, where his placements would fall in his presentation and his presentation and the, like, yeah, the quirky, uh, maybe miss, I don't know if it's misunderstood, but not perhaps fitting in in a way that a Virgo sun Virgo moon would definitely fit in. Mm. And, and yeah, the way in which, you know, he went about doing everything that he did and the astrology of the day with that crazy yeah, so fire, wild. grand fire trine and um, T square and kite. And yeah, <laughs> it's just, that was a crazy, crazy day. So well we will post pictures Caitlin has shared pictures with us and descriptions we're going to put that on our instagram and that is over at the stars maybe podcast don't forget to check us out on tiktok as well at the stars maybe podcast Mm -hmm. and check out our patreon the second podcast basically what we talked about on this episode where we're like hey this is what's going on in the sky during this day Mm -hmm. and how those events affected a person on a personal level that's what we talk about every single week over on our patreon so check that out and less intensity (laughs) yeah with like um less murder less to zero murder talk uh yeah (laughs) less yeah 0.1% chance of murder being talked about. (laughs) Yeah, go check us out there. Patreon.com slash the stars made me do it. And this, we're so grateful to have you. Like, thank you for bringing all of your research and your, your vibe. And, uh, like you're our spooky season, uh, 
person. Like I said, yeah. when we first started this, like I knew of this murder. This is a pretty famous murder in the yeah. US, but like learning all the details and stuff, it just like up the creepiness factor. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I wanted to do something like creepy. Like I I was trying to find like a murder that had like a paranormal element to it. But I was like, this is even creepier. Like because it's real. Like the truth (laughs) is even creepier than fiction. Like Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Also, feel free to comment on Instagram or on Spotify here. You can even uh, interact and send us your comments or any questions. I'd love to hear anybody else's speculations or thoughts about the astrology of the day or his chart or his wife's charts. Um, anything that you like, any additional comments that you have would love to hear and discuss. And if this is your first Stars Movie Murder episode, we've got a couple of them out there. So um, yeah. I always hashtag it Stars Movie Murder or TSMM. Yeah, we've covered <laughs> we've covered yeah. famous serial killers, female serial killers. Our old Halloween episode was like crimes that happened on Halloween, and yeah. then the copycat Zodiac. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin. Thank and, you for having me. And we've got to ask you, uh, why did we talk about the list murders today? Because the stars made John List murder. No, they really didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, no. <laughs>